0: Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien.
1: Hello and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you from good old Dillsburg, Pennsylvania. Living is good and easy in Dillsburg, PA, my friends. Joined, as always, by fellow co-host, Chris Martin. Chris, time to check
0: in. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Bring it. Wake up, right? Wake up, Wake up, man. <laughs> hey, guys. How are you doing? This is Chris Martin. And, I, John, now I have that song in my head, Living is Easy. <laughs> and thank you for that. And putting Dillsburg in there makes it even better. So, But hi, everyone. This is Chris Martin. I am with Atlas Marketing. I'm on the western side of the state in lovely downtown Swickley. And we tell stories for companies that build things. And we've got a really, really interesting topic today to talk about, John. What do you think? What we, we do.
1: About? We do. We're talking a little driving change, We're talking sales, you know, the sales revolution. Everything's changing in, in this world here, brother. So we have an awesome guest here, Steve Haru. I said the name right? Yes, sir. Perfect. I, I butcher names like nobody's business. I'm a king of butchering names.
2: <laughs> and, hey, listen, it's easy. I mean... Lots of the famous singer, so I love your music, man.
1: But, yeah, uh, this
2: is awesome. We have Steve with
1: us, founder and CEO of The Sales Collective. So we're excited to talk about Chris's favorite topic. Chris always likes to talk about marketing and sales stuff, and so do I, as a matter of fact. So I'm I was, really- I was going to say,
0: wait a second. We, yeah, me too. We have conversations. We talk about this all the time,
1: man. I know. I love it. I'm ready. I'm ready. So I don't even know where to begin. I'm so excited. Should we start with you, Steve? Steve, the person. Who is Steve? You want to introduce yourself to our crowd here?
2: Sure thing, man. Thanks to guys for having me on. I am just a guy from Boston on a podcast. I mean, that's it. People do all this. Oh, selling master, public speaker, all this garbage. I'm just the guy from Boston who tells people the truth. Selling is not that hard. Growing up, though, was interesting. Didn't say a word for first 18 years of my life ended up going to a really expensive college in Boston got my first semester of books cost me 1600 bucks and i was like holy crap i'm about to bankrupt my parents my dad was a truck driver uh-huh. drove 18 hours a day right so i could have a better life that's why i worked my ass off my mom was an administrative assistant so we had no money so i had to get a job and i answered a job ad and all it said was part time job 10 dollars an hour and a phone number so i call the number. I go, hey, what's this job you got littered all over campus? And they go, it's sales. And mm-hmm. I go, so would I have to talk to anybody? Or they go, <laughs> yeah, you have to talk to people. What the hell wrong with you? Yeah. I said, well, you don't have a depth job or something or data entry? They go, no. I said, well, what would I be selling? And they go, we'll tell you when you get down here. Maybe you could figure it out. I bet you some of the people listening could. So I get the job. I go home, tell my parents. And if anybody's ever seen Seinfeld on here listening or watching, yep. you know George, the Costanzas, his parents. Okay. Those are my parents. So <laughs> I my dad and he goes, what are you going to be doing, Stevie? To you get a job? I go, yes, sir. I think I'm going to sell knives. Okay. And uh, many of you know Cutco knives, of course. And my dad looks at me and he goes, what are you a moron? <laughs> <laughs> He goes, Stevie, don't be a schmuck. You're not selling knives, stupid. I'm like, why not? He's like, Stevie, one, you don't talk. Two, no one's buying this crap. And three, I'm not giving you the money for the knife kit. Okay. You gotta buy the knives. You know how it works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, go get a real job. So I go fine. Hey Ma, can I buy 150 bucks? So of course, mom gives me the money. And I'll never forget this. My mom's counting out the money. And my dad goes, well, Janet, you just lit that on fire. (laughs) So that was my motivational upbringing. So that was freshman year of college. And by senior year, I was number one in the country selling cut knives. So that was my background. Spent seven years with them running sales teams. And then got tired of working 90 hours a week at 25. Then plus I saw office space. So both of those two combined, I didn't want to work anymore. And then I got a went to a job fair and the last booth was the insurance company with the duck, which many of you know that. So the guy looks at my resume and he goes, you made money selling Tutco knives. I'm like, yes, sir, quite a lot. And he goes, you can do Aflac. And I said, what's Aflac? He goes, it doesn't matter. So that was my job interview. Spent 13 years with Aflac, somehow made it to number one in the country with Aflac, 60,000 agents. I was the top guy. So wow. that's wow. kind of my background in sales and having led sales teams, you know, of, of all ilks. And now I get to build sales operations for all kinds of companies and help them with training and hiring and sales processes and coaching. And so I just love what I do. And it's quite the contrarian view of sales to say the least. So yeah. a background. Quite a background it is.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I have to admit, I never would have thought I'd be talking to somebody who actually sold knives for a living. So yeah. that's kind of cool. It is yeah. cool. <laughs> and the guy in Affleck is right. If you can sell knives, you can sell anything. So, yeah.
2: well, my very first public talk I ever gave, which I wanted to jump off the roof, right, because I had major anxiety at 19 years old, was in Lancaster in front of like 800 kids. And uh, after that moment, kind of my fear went away because, you know, I was just telling my story, how I became number one. And there was a whole line of kids next to the stage. When I got off the stage, I'm like, oh, is this the buffet line? Or yeah, I don't know what these, and they go, no, what do you mean? They're all here waiting to talk to you. Uh, So almost instantly my fear of, of public speaking ended because I never knew how many people I could impact with, with 20 minutes of how to use a paring knife. I mean, you know, so <laughs> and everyone's like, I never knew you could do this with that thing. And so from that moment, I was like, what was I so afraid of? Yeah. And so now being a speaker for a living, I just love helping people and changing the narrative of owners and CEOs, right? When it comes to selling. So that's why I'm in Chicago now in between Vistage Talks, how I met Tracy. And so I get to talk to leaders of companies every day and give them a new spin on it.
1: I got to be honest, when you started talking sales and then you brought up Seinfeld and George, I thought you were going to say I'm a
2: LaTeX salesman. <laughs> no, I did try to get Indale Industries as my company name, <laughs> but it wasn't available. And those of you guys that run companies and our employees matter and having benefits matter, we not only have unlimited vacation, but paid holiday and my company's Festivus. So Nice. You no, know,
0: that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Totally
2: so, I actually, John, to add to that,
0: I thought you were going to say that you were selling religious things, like George Distanza's dad did.
2: Be that and, it could be, you know, oil bladder like for, America. for America. Oh, America.
0: oh yeah. Something tells me we could go down this path for a long, long time. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've won a
2: couple of Seinfeld trivia contests, so that's true. what really matters. Forget the sales; that's, that's what really matters.
0: That's true. So, Steve, let me ask you this that clearly we could have a lot of fun talking about Seinfeld and sales and all those correlations, but the Building PA podcast talks with or focuses on the construction industry. And right before we hit record, you had mentioned we all kind of know the construction industry is just kind of like, hey, we've been doing this for years. It's a hard bid situation, so we're just going to go bid. How does sales and sales processes and sales efforts and all of those things really tie into? the construction industry. and What can you tell our listeners?
2: I know it's not quite the same, but only because this just happened in the last hour or so. I have to put a new roof on my house at the lake and that's pain. Okay. And you got the roofing guys that are just in your face and hardcore selling and all Grand Cardone lemmings and all this stuff, right? Which is not, you know, I don't buy from those guys. Um, Then you got guys that don't really have a huge business but it's them trying to get their business up and running and so on so maybe their price is a little bit lower and that i'm going to buy from the guy that was the best at asking me questions trying to figure out why i needed a new roof what type of roof metal or shingle or whatever what you know and he's followed up four times he just did it again whatever an hour ago and he's not the lowest bid but even if he was the lowest bid in your industry, and there still is some semblance of you get what you pay for. And even if two companies have the same low bid, let's say that's the case, because it's not always where one is dramatically lower than the other. They're not going to match up line item to the senate. Right. So uh, people can say that all they want. Well, we are just go the low better. That's not true. If somebody worked that deal, I mean, exactly how it was supposed to be worked with conversations, deep questioning, deep discovery. What's the grand vision? All that stuff, they followed up properly. They made sure the proposal didn't have any mistakes. They called the gal or the guy by the first name, all of that stuff. If one company does it like that, One company doesn't do it like that. And it's the same low bid or it's close. Who do you think they're going with? And and that's why I just never subscribed to the, we just go to the low bidder and we do government contracts, even in government contracts, even when we work with defense or whatever. It's still not always just the lowest price because there are other factors involved. And so- I just wish people understood this in part of this business world in in our industry, but it's, well, we've always done it this way, and you guys already know this, and Chris, you know it in Vistage, like, yeah, you've always done it this way, and you've gotten to this point, right, which the industry, all industries mostly, again, have been really good the past five years or whatever, 10 years, right, but now it's harder to sell you know, you got people in sales that are have really been glorified order takers over the past five years. Yep. Our largest company is a lumber trader, and they're a billion plus. A year ago, they just call a mill and go, hey, I got a truck with Southern Yellow Pine. It's 30 grand. Do you want it? That's all they had to do. If they don't want it, believe me, I got five other guys that want it. But it ain't like that anymore. And so now all these guys and gals that were making four, five, 600, a million, a million five in sales, this is what they made. Now they're like, wait a second, this, this isn't easy. I have to work. Yeah, No, this is why every realtor's going to work at McDonald's now, right? C- Cause it's like, oh, it's not that easy. And so if people have had it good for a while, and a, a lot of construction industry, right? They've been good for years, right? They're already fifty million, 100 million, 500 billion. But what if they actually learned how to do it right? And I don't know if there are golfers that are listening. What a disaster today! With <laughs> Jay Fox. I mean, talk about a soulless. Uh pretty sure of all that matters is money. Listen, I don't like live and the morals. Okay, I'm morally solid. We'll give you a billion dollars. Pool, where do we sign? Yes. Okay, we're down. So in golf, I used to be good at golf. I don't play, I'd rather fish, frankly. But I got down to like an eight or so, never a lesson, not one lesson. I started at 16 and I broke 70. Twice at like 22. When I wanted to get good at golf, I hired a coach. I went to golf tech. If anybody's ever seen those things at the mall, right? Golf tech, they hook you up, lie angles, all this stuff. I got down to a 3.4. Wow. So I was good, right? Way above average, way better than the average golfer. But I wasn't great until I learned how to really do it. And got a coach. That's what we do for salespeople and for companies, right? And yeah. they are already doing well, but how much more of meat have they left on the bone? And that's generally where we come in and help them go from really good to really great. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, you started at 16.
1: I'm at 16 too, but that's like how many balls I lose in 18 holes. So <laughs>
2: very few things I'm good at.
1: Golf happened to be one of them. Yes. <laughs> now, but you were talking about learning to do it right and, yeah. uh, and working with people and investing in your people. Can you maybe touch on that a little bit and kind of
2: give us a taste of that, what that's all about? Sure. We actually yeah. talked about that in depth yesterday at my visage meeting in Chicago. The average company spends more money on coffee than they do on training their salespeople. But they get mad when the salespeople don't perform. Like McFly. Yeah. So I came up with this new thing. I just taught it for the first time yesterday. Some people on the call would know what WWJD means. So I came up with WWBRD, what would Bob Ross do? Okay, so everyone in the call knows who Bob Ross is, right? Probably the most famous painter in our lifetime. And Bob Ross, he passed away 27 years ago, 1995, was alive for 53 years. Unfortunately, he passed away of cancer early. In his 80 years on the planet, do you guys know how many people he's taught how to paint If you had to guess. I couldn't even
0: guess. (laughs) I'd say million.
2: million, Roughly five million, something like that. If I asked you how many of those five million people had God-given artistic talent, what would you say? I'd say low, very low. So one of them was my dad. I have three paintings in my house that look exactly like Bob Ross did them. My dad did them. Wow. My dad was a truck driver, and he has about this much artistic ability. So how could my dad, who has no talent, paint just like Bob Ross? What Bob Ross taught them was a system. And Bob Ross was an art instructor, and that's how they found him. And so when he was on TV and got big, he had art schools. He had thousands of instructors, right, painting his system which wasn't his, it was a German guy named Bill Alexander. It wasn't even Bob Ross's system. He just made it fun and engaging and easy for people to do. And that is what's missing in 98% of companies. There is no system, there is no sales process. Yet, CEOs or sales leaders are expecting their people to paint like Bob Ross with no paint, No easel, no instruction, no teaching, and they wonder why the artwork doesn't come out looking good. So yelling at them to paint better or giving them a bonus if you paint this picture, that doesn't work. It's not the 70s. That is not how to motivate people, and especially if people are not motivated by money, which the majority of the top 10% of men and women in the world of sales, the majority of the best are not extrinsically motivated. They are not motivated by money. So if all they're told is money, 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 and they don't care, you're demotivating them. But these are the myths that exist in at almost every single company today.
0: So I kind of handle sales at our company for Atlas Marketing. And you mentioned Vistage and you're right. I am a Vistage member and I've learned so much through that process. And it's been like an instrumental in investment. And I know a lot of our listeners are Vistage members too. Yeah. Steve, walk us through kind of what this process looks like. Like, you know, I love the analogy of Bob Ross and his system and those type of things. But what does
2: the sales collective Like, what does that process look like? So if you guys think about from let's say the second an interested party contacts your company whatever way, right? It's a referral, a lead on the website, SEO, whatever, right? From that point to 10 years down the line as your client, how many steps are in there? Thousands. A lot. Yeah. Just think about it, right? So how many right now in the average company? Are written down with instructions on what to do every single step of the way in some Google Drive or folder that the salespeople have access to. That doesn't exist. And so if you don't have that, how many things are slipping through the cracks? Even if you're good, if you're a great salesperson or a great athlete, let's say, if you don't know the play, just because you're faster doesn't mean anything. Yeah. That's why I hate to use the Patriots because they're a dumpster fire now. But before, right, when Brady was there, like Brady is the least athletic quarterback yeah. next to Peyton Manning, who's in cement. But other yeah. than him, but the, he knew they knew the system, the process. How many times do we have to hear the Patriot way all this stuff? So every team who would pluck off the Patriots free agents, other than Tom Brady and Adam Vinatieri, every other Patriots player sucked when they went to another team because they thought they were getting that guy. No, no, no. That guy was that guy because the system he was in and they squeezed every ounce of ability out of these guys. That's why Belichick could draft Edelman in the seventh round and any yeah. and these guys, no one ever heard of because he knew if he put them in a system and gave them a position to win at, they would be successful. So yeah. that's what a sales process does. And so you can have less talented salespeople executing a system perfectly. The results will go through the roof. And that's what real sales training is about guys and people listening. You cannot teach generic magic selling systems from the 70s this cookie cutter garbage out of the box that will not work you have to build a playbook for your team and the people that are on your team are talented at certain things and you teach them to execute your plays Mm -hmm. not execute a play from a generic thing right that's the key That's really
1: cool that you brought up the Patriots because I'm a sports junkie. And the whole time you were talking about a system and you got to teach everything within the system, every step along the way. I study coaches. I love coaches, like sporting coaches. And I was-
2: Look at Paul by the way, if y'all are watching the NBA finals, Mm -hmm. whatever. (laughs) Look Look at him. Head and shoulders above every other coach. Look what that guy's doing. But that is the perfect analogy, right? For building a sales process. Yeah. So I appreciate that. and if, But I thought of Belichick right away. I was like, this guy teaches every step.
1: Every They're looking at scenarios people don't even imagine. They practice and getting ready for crazy stuff. So think about
2: this because this is a really good analogy into sales DNA, which is the assessment we use, which Chris knows. When you're an NFL team and you go to the combine, and if you all don't know what this is, right, it's a bunch of players, right, trying out, running drills, all this stuff. It's not just, oh, they can run a 4240. They have to do mental aptitude tests too, and they have to be able to make decisions quickly. So, even if they're the best talented athlete, they're not going to get drafted. So, that's what sales DNA does. That's our assessment tool. It's not a personality test, or it tells you what color you are, or hey, she's a purple dinosaur. We better hire her. It goes through. The things that are required for someone to be successful in sales, and believe it or not, most of it's not the skill, it's the way that we think. So we're able to evaluate whether or not one of your salespeople needs to be liked. If they need to be liked, you're in trouble. Because salespeople that need to be liked will give away the farm. They will bend over backwards. They will sign bad contracts. You're in bad deals. You're done. We look at if they're comfortable discussing money. Most people are not comfortable discussing money. When we grew up, we didn't even talk about it, right? You couldn't talk about yeah. it. And they're the closest people in our lives. And when I was selling life insurance, my parents were my first, you know, practice. And I had to ask my mom, pay, weight, whatever, birthday, salary, all this stuff. So I asked my mom how much money she made. And she gave me a two-word answer. And the second word was you. So <laughs> you, you can figure out what the first word is. So if I'm talking to a prospect, a potential client, somebody wants to build a huge, built whatever, they're a stranger. So if you ask them, what's in the budget, Tom? Yeah. No, you can't do that. There's nothing dumber in sales than asking somebody what their budget is. Maybe one. Maybe one thing dumber. So are you expecting or (laughs) that's the only question that's dumber than what's your budget? So those are the things we can help, right? Pull out when somebody takes the sales DNA test uh, amongst 180 other things.
0: Yeah. And Steve mentioned that DNA test and I know we're going to talk about that in a second, but he mentioned took that as a kind of a barometer for my capacity on the sales skill set. Level is what I'm trying to say, and I think I was like a 78. So, so I recognize I have some room to go, but at least my attitude is in the right direction.
2: Um, no, I, mean, I that think that helps.
0: Um, yeah, um, like having that, having that, having that, that that report and that at least that response to be able to know is my sale. Are my salespeople or my business development people or my in in our world the the marketing side of this? Are they capable of this? Do they have the mental capacity to actually not do this? I'd encourage everybody to reach out and at least figure out a way to determine if this is something that's going to be helpful. because I found it very impactful for me personally. And that's
2: it, you guys. That's what it looks like. So um, yeah. there's so many things we can go over. But what's great about DNA is this is the blueprints. So we're talking about construction or architectural, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's the blueprint. Okay. So you will now have a blueprint. If you're a salesperson, on exactly what you need to do to fix it. If you're a sales leader or a CEO, you'll know all the strengths, hindrances on your team to be able to coach them to fix it. And so, how we build sales training, I built a library of almost 200 lessons, and every single lesson we built corresponds to what we find on sales DNA. So if you think about this in terms of like a MRI or something, is it a shoulder, right? Is it John's rotator cuff or is it his ACL? And so if I find out he's got a rotator cuff tear, I'm not going to give him physical therapy for his ACL, yeah. but generic sales training goes, Hey, John, take these two aspirin. What do you mean? <laughs> well, we just give these to every patient. What if that's not going to fix my problem. Well, that's okay. That's what we sell. So every client we have has different sales, training, coaching and development, there's not one client we have that has the same thing because they all have different human beings there. So that's kind of what I think we have a little bit of an advantage over the generic stuff because it's customizable for everybody.
0: And Steve, you had mentioned beforehand that you, you're going to offer a free
2: DNA report.
0: So <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. And what do our listeners have to do?
2: And then we'll go from there. So we should probably do first one, right? These are 600 bucks, guys, right? When companies, right, which still is nothing compared to what you lose by not knowing what's hindering your salespeople. So one of the things we do now, I just was sharing, or we do for Vistage, of course, right, also. but a company can either pick, right? One sales DNA test, we'll pay for it. They can give it to whomever they want, their top guy, bottom guy, top gal, bottom gal, whatever. Or we'll do a free sales process audit. Again, these aren't 750 bucks, but we'll do one. And we just want to show people the value of them and in hopes they say, wow, this is great. Let's test the other people. So if that's okay, we can do that and say, hey, the First person, we'll do one sales process audit. And then another person, we can do a a free sales DNA test. And if anybody wants to reach out, of course, we'll give people a break. But uh, I just think it's just so valuable to be able to help people understand these things. And if they would like to do it, we can share if this works, I guess maybe guys, right? Well, we'll share this so the audience can see it. But that's the QR code, y'all. So If you want to do it, take us up on it. We'll take the first two. I might be convinced we could do one or two more, but these cost me money too. Okay. So it's not free for us, but so that's the QR code and it'll go to a Jot form, which is like a survey monkey. You're not going to get put on some stupid list of 800 email bombs. This just goes to Janae on our team and you can click free sales process audit or free DNA test and she'll get back in touch with you. Okay. Perfect. That's awesome. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, sure thing, man. And I guess I think that if we just happen to have one company, right, that finally will give us a shot to be able, right, to help, I think that would be great. But this industry, as you all know, it's not a lot of change, right, the way we've always done it. So if there are progressive, forward-thinking, self-aware, vulnerable leaders of companies on this podcast... We'd love the opportunity to, to help. We have some of those in our
1: audience. So we'll
2: awesome. see what that yeah. happens. And, like. and we'll share
0: that QR code with our listeners on the website. We'll, well share awesome. it on social media. Steve, thank you
2: so much for joining thank us today. I'm
0: thank sorry, you guys. Thank this you has been crazy. fantastic.
2: Yes. Thanks awesome. gentlemen. Steve. Thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll talk to y'all soon.
0: Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast. To stay up to date, Follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.